I'm Joe. Nice to meet you, brother. I love watching you grow up. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Touchdown! Is this the And Fernando Tatis Jr. A grand slam. Iguodala. It's funny to hear female talk about routes like. Hosted by Clark and Ethan. It's funny. Hello and welcome to From the Backseat. I am your host, Ethan Haas, and I am joined today by my co-host. What up, guys? Clark here again. Yes, if you're watching on video, I am wearing a Columbia sweater inside. And yes, it is 84 degrees. However, I liked it. I put it on and that's okay. That's what we're rolling with today. Can't ready. Can't wait to get to some takes for you folks. Hey, Clark's hardcore. What can we say? Mm. Oh, what can we say? Yeah, uh, Clark's got to show off his manly side as we get into our top 10 edge rushers today. To Because if any of these guys, we would have. Some Possibly. of these dudes are behemoths. Like if Aaron Donald met us in the middle of the street. Pfft. Here's a question for you. Just Clark, chop to start off I just chop block him. I just chop block. <laughs> Here's a question Hopefully for you. Hopefully he falls over. Yes. How many. How many fourth graders do you think aaron donald could fight at least 10 at least 10 you think he could award off 10 fourth graders well, first like the first one that comes up aaron's just gonna like palm it by the head and just boom, just yeet that thing and then the rest if they do get to him eventually like eventually more than 10 will become a number more than anyone else could handle um however until that point arises, I feel like 10 is a good number. The other ones you can basically just like, I mean, we're talking a fight. So he's unfortunately punching a fourth grader that, or he could just like, you know, shove them. But eventually the masses would overtake with the number of fourth graders out there. But I'm saying 10, 10, for Aaron 10 fourth graders. That seems about 10 right. Ten feels Do you think right. DK Metcalf could fight off more fourth graders or no. Aaron Donald? Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. Yes. All right. Well, so today's show is our quick hit show, uh, and we're going to start it off on a more fun note. We had planned to do it at the end, but I think it's more fun to do it at the front. Uh, and that is the biggest story of kind of the day, besides for all-star lists, is Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, the second-year quarterback. Second-year quarterback out of BYU. Uh, his ex-girlfriend took to social media and aired out her grievances about against him and said that he had a relationship to put it in the nicest of terms with his, her is it her mom or his mom's his mom's best friend okay so with his mom's best friend so clark what was your original reaction to this well i believe the if i remember seeing the instagram post of hers correctly that people were commenting on it was her with a former teammate of B from BYU, Zach Wilson's, who they're apparently very good friends. People then refer to her as a quote, uh, what was the term? Homie hopper. Not necessary to say that to her. Not not, not necessary. necessary. We don't condone that. No, we don't. However, she immediately clapped back saying that, oh, he slept with his mom's best friend. Which then everyone was like, poor K. Because obviously Zach Wilson is an established and up and coming possibly NFL quarterback. He shouldn't be sleeping with his mom's best friend. That's a little bit out of pocket. So now we've come to the world that we now live in. That In fact, Zach Wilson appears to sleep with not only older women, but older women who are his mother's best friends. 
Yeah, so to put it into quotes, let's put it into his ex-girlfriend, what she actually said. So this was a comment on a post where it was on Zach Wilson's post. Somebody said, homie hopper. And so she responds at, he was sleeping with his friend, his mom's best friend. That's the real homie hopper. I think that is. That truthfully is. That's crazy. That that is, that's crazy. That's not a line. And Twitter is having a field day with this, with that picture of Zach Wilson, like before the draft, where he looks like he's like 15. He's rolling up to prom. I mean, my thing at this point is that Zach, it's going to be some tough road games for not only you, but for the family if they travel. Mm, mom is going to hear it, I think. Mom is going to hear it. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone's going to hear it. I mean, really, what what's the conversation now between Zach and his, his mom? That, that's gonna know. be awkward. Like, hey, son. Maybe she knew you, about um, it. Uh, I'm getting the feeling she didn't know about it. If I had to guess, wait, I'm Clark, we got it. We got to be like real sports heads. All right, so let's imagine we're on the first take set, and this was our 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 segment, right? Mm-hmm. Do we think this is gonna affect the locker room? Is this gonna negatively affect the Jets? Uh, no, actually, I think in some weird way, it would probably earn Zach Wilson more respect from his teammates. In some weird way, just because it's some older woman, I think it's, that would be like, whoa, wait a minute. This guy is kind of like ballerish, but weird. But it's also kind of like, whoa now, dude. Like, that's crazy. Balls out to you. It could earn a little bit more respect, you know. However, Here's... I don't know. Does it make him a leader? Mm, it shows that he can command older players, too. <laughs> <laughs> he can he he's got the he youth in him and the youth but also the ability to connect with the older players in the locker room maybe he speaks their language i'd say do you think that players uh should be wary that if zach wilson ever oh, talks to oh, their mom if you have any if you have a mother on the don't bring around zach wilson i guess on the team i would not be itching towards that that is something i would avoid at all costs if i was a new york jets player don't be having that you definitely know first take is going to get up tomorrow and they're oh. totally going to be like, oh, this is losing the locker room. Like, he's no, not a leader. Will. They probably will be like, oh, Zach Wilson, he can't control himself. He can't be trusted. This is New York. You don't go out with your mom's best friend. That's not okay. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. He's tomorrow, just, probably. he's like 24. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's really funny. funny. It's, it's, it's funny, but it's, it's like, really it dumb. dumb too. I'm like, what are you doing? It's Why would you funny do that? Though. He's just made every family interaction from here on out really weird. <laughs> but like, some of the tweets now are just when he goes so... home, like, oh, hey, mom, how is so and so doing after, you know? Yeah. It's... I mean, so yeah. Zach Wilson, we'll see how things go from here. We'll see we'll how things go. love to hear Colin go. Coward's take on this. I'm sure he'll calm and, you know, we'll figure it out. Get to the bottom of this. We'll have to get to the bottom. Back. Yeah, we need an official statement from all of those talking sports heads who are just going to be like, real not question, a leader. Actually, real question is from the New York, who's going to be the first to ask him about it in a press conference? Who's asking that question in the press conference? You know someone has to. Not has oh, to, someone, will. somebody will. They'll just ask him like, oh, there's been a report out there. Like, like They'll kind of be vague thoughts. about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be kind of like that. My yeah, guess that is, answer. well, but the problem is, I mean, this is a bigger discussion about re- sports reporters some of those beat writers that somehow get access to these interview rooms just come out there with the most blasphemous questions ever and just like like some of their questions it's such galaxy brain stuff like 
Some just get there and ask the same question over and over. The amount of times people have asked Justin Herbert whether he's a leader or not is like absolutely astounding. It's well, like yeah, it's it's stupid. So I mean, I feel like at some point, like they run out of thoughts to like ask. Like to me, it's like the same thing. Like you know, perfect example of like I could recite you the question and answer to anyone who hits a walk off hit in baseball. Oh, what yeah. were you looking for at that bat? What were you trying to do? Oh, I was looking for a pitch to hit. I wanted to win the game for us. You know what? One, I the walk off like interview I wish I'd watched is the Bach walk off the other night. I wonder I what they the asked interview. the batter. Yeah, I don't uh, even remember who the probably, batter was. I don't even know who you interview for that, truthfully. A Bach? I guess the opposing pitcher because. I yeah, guess they blew the, the game. Team, you gotta, if you're the home team, you gotta interview someone. You gotta interview someone. So who do you ask? That celebration was so weird. Like they call the Bach, the runner comes in, the guy like runs across plate, and everyone just kind of like stands there awkwardly for a second, and then they come out and start celebrating. Exactly. And then no the manager play. comes out and yell. It, it was really weird. It's just classic. I mean, the Bach itself. When I watched it live i was like what do they call him but then you watch it and you're like okay i get it but a celebration like a walk-off bach is like the most least celebrated possible walk-off scenario you could have yeah i mean it's like a walk-off like walk but a walk-off walk is at least better because at least the batter had like you know okay do something that was a ball i had to watch it yeah i didn't swing you know that's true minimal but it's still better a bach is just so anticlimactic it's terrible it's the worst way to walk a game off well, I don't know if you saw the other night, but like Mookie Betts walk off, or it's just a grounder up the middle where neither. Well, it's just like a high chopper. No one can make a play on it. Like it's, but at least it's like yeah. a ball play. Something happens. I mean, this is. But a that's kind of that wild. When I was watching that, it's kind of wild that that was Mookie Betts' first ever walk off as a LA Dodger. Well, he's only been there a couple of years, but you know. I mean, but still, I mean, he's the marquee of their franchise right now. I guess besides Clayton Kershaw, but just didn't work. I mean, it's just the way it went, I guess. I don't know. All right. So that's Zach Wilson. We'll get into our quick hits after our big segment of the day, which is top 10. We're getting into our top 10 edge rushers. It's probably what most of you clicked on the podcast for. So top 10 edge rushers. Uh, what I have seen throughout Twitter, what I've seen throughout TikTok, what I've seen throughout Instagram is there is a huge debate between the Miles Garrett, TJ Watt thing. And Steeler fans are very insecure about people that yeah. act like Miles Garrett is much better. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts when we get there eventually into the list. It'll likely be. So we are including one player into edge rusher who's not sure. But if we're You'll all being it. honest, he's the yeah. best pass rusher in the league. Yeah, it's um, not particularly close. It's not particularly close. He's just that good. Uh, so we're going to get into our top 10 edge rushers. I have a underrated player and an honorable mention. Clark just has an honorable mention. Yeah. So I'm going to start off with my underrated player, and then we'll we'll actually get into the list, and I'll let Clark start with honorable mention. We'll go back and forth until we make our way up to one. Mm-hmm. So my underrated player uh, plays for Carolina. He gets no credit. No one ever talks about him, and it's Brian Burns. Brian Burns is a very productive edge rusher out in Carolina. He racks up stats. He His pressure numbers are great. While he doesn't get home on sacks, he had nine sacks last year, which in the league is pretty good. He had 13 tackles for loss, but he's a young player who's still developing, and he was really good next to Hassan Reddick. 
who was also on that team, but Hassan Reddick has now gone to Philly. But a player that I would I want to put on everyone's radar is Brian Burns. I think Brian Burns has the ability to jump in that top 10 next year, and he's just a player no one talks about because Carolina is a Carolina's hot dumpster terrible. fire uh, who just added Baker, Baker Mayfield for some reason. That's not going to work. Worst, worst and most ridiculous quarterback room in all of football right now with the Panthers. Here's a question. What would you grade that quarterback room? Just on a side note. B plus. D plus. I think Matt Corral sucks. I mean, I don't like Matt Corral, but if you spend a third round pick on him and he's a backup, it's not that big of a deal. I don't get then trading for Baker. Like that makes no sense to me. The Baker trade. I'm like, not even that the Baker trade. I kind of get like, okay, whatever. I think Matt rules really trying to try something. He knows it doesn't work with Sam Darnold. I would Matt Corral's an RPO merchant. Um, and so because of that, I think Baker gives him the best shot to try to like win something. I mean, internally right now, I mean, the defense is still all right in Carolina. They just can't move the ball offensively. And I don't know if they're going to do it with, um, Carolina. I truthfully do with, uh, Baker. What do you think about all the Robbie Anderson stuff with Baker, where Robbie was didn't want Baker at all in the beginning? Oh, really? What was really good was that Baker, uh, the Robbie Anderson, just like gaslighted the reporters, like you know when they asked him about it, he's like, "Oh no, no, no! I was just supporting my quarterback. I didn't mean it like that." When he was putting no, like okay, really has no, no desire to have no. baker mayfield and i get it i mean i wouldn't truthfully want that i mean people are like oh wow you know put baker with dj Moore. congrats it's like no actually baker ruined odell so uh he doesn't really help receivers well i mean odell's dad just made the funniest video in the world of just the highlight reel of baker that's great yeah because baker i mean like just underrated how just dog dog water he is he's terrible but whatever yes i get what you're saying with brian burns you get back to the original yeah. point no, I, I think Brian Burns is a really underrated player. Again, right now, if we were to actually rank this out, he's not my 12th as rusher, but he's just someone I think is really underrated who could be in the top 10 next year. He's been really productive out in Carolina. He was probably one of the best picks of his draft, and no one really talks about it, just because Carolina is just nothing right now. They have oh, yeah. no talent. Mm-hmm. They are vying for the number one pick in the draft. Um, Matt Rule... This might be a hot take. It definitely shouldn't. He should be fired. He will be fired after next uh, he, year. He should be fired, yeah. Probably Matt Rule sucks. Matt Rule is such a bad coach. Worst coach in the NFL? Now that Joe Judge isn't there, I think so. Yeah, I would put him as a worst, my worst coach. I don't think he would possibly I think it, be up there. Yeah. I would I rather – I would. he'd be the last guy I would the other guys i could you know i would rather even like new guys i'd rather be more you know low-key i have a different they're not actually the worst coach but a coach i think should be fired after this year so coach i think that should be fired after this year cliff kingsbury i think cliff kingsbury sucks too they they will fire him when the cardinals miss the playoffs cliff kingsbury sucks i don't think he's very yeah we've got a cliff kingsbury is not very good i i think he's not a very good head coach i'm with you on that yeah i think he sucks other coaches that i don't know matt rule is by far the example mm-hmm. of just like he's just so bad i don't get why they kept him for another year he keeps on getting all these mid average like young quarterbacks who were total burnout somewhere else hoping that it works and it never does i mean my thing is really this i mean he's trying to throw anything at the wall and it sticks i if i were him i'd get my resume updated and stuff like that for college teams to start calling again and just go back there yeah He's got no for sure. 
he has no clue. He the NFL, yeah. his scheme doesn't work. It's it's just bad. I mean, his teams are bad. They're not good. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah, but back to the point. Brian Bird's my underrated player. So let's get into the actual list. Uh, what? Let's start off with your honorable mention. Your number eleven. So who's your honorable mention? Yeah, I think this is a guy. My number on my honorable mention is a guy. I think uh, probably would have been on this list if it wasn't for just a little bit of a down year that was hampered by injuries. I think he's actually one of my favorite guys. To actually, rush the passer, uh, Daniel Hunter. Uh, Daniel Hunter is my number oh, one wow. on the list. Um, I think people forget that he had back to back fourteen and a half sack seasons, and then he missed twenty twenty, and then he only had eight yeah. this year. So I think he's kind of someone who's a little bit slept on. I think I'm a little bit worried what he's going to look like outside of the Mike Zimmer scheme. So because whatever you think of Mike Zimmer um, as a head coach in Minnesota and his shortcomings in terms of playoff uh, wins outside of the uh, NFC title ship, the title game run, uh, man was unreal on the coaching side, on the defensive side of the football. I think if you want to look at half the reasons why the Vikings beat the Packers a number of times with, uh, you know, Zimmer, it was because of Mike Zimmer's scheme. They don't have that anymore. Um, but yeah. I think Danelle Hunter is a guy who's athletic, athletically a freak. Um, he can do a lot on the line of scrimmage. He disrupts the game constantly. And again, I think people so, sort of forget the fact there were two seasons there in 2018 and 2019 where he was a 14 sack plus guy. And he's had another one before that where he had a 12 sack season and he's consistently been acting the packed field. Um, so for me, he would be my honorable mention. I'm a big Daniel Hunter guy. I would expect him to actually crawl back into this top 10 list by the end of the year, probably pretty high too. That's a good pick. Uh, my honorable mention is who was opposite Brian Burns, which was Hassan Reddick. Hassan yeah. Reddick, uh, he's had 11-plus sack seasons two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, he bet on himself in Arizona. He had a 12-and-a-half sack season in which he forced six fumbles. Then he goes over to Carolina and had 11 sacks in 16 games, 12 tackles for loss, and two forced fumbles. Hassan Reddick is a constant disruptor. Ever since, basically, they moved him from the off-ball linebacker position into a edge rusher stance, he has really excelled. He uses his speed really well, and he uses his hands to get around offensive linemen and create havoc. Now, I think he's only going to be better next year. Him going into the Philadelphia defensive line, which is arguably one of the best in the league, he's going to do really, really well. Uh, I think he's going to be that edge rushing piece that kind of unlocks them because their interior is scary as it is. And then we add in Hassan Reddick, and they got a nice edge rushing piece as well. So he's my number 11. So let's get into our top 10 list. The official list, Clark, who is your number 10? Okay, uh, my number 10, I don't know if this will shock you or not. Um, He's a guy I feel like, again, because of the team that he was on last year, didn't receive much attention. Great pass rushes in the past. Um, I had Robert Quinn at number 10. Robert Quinn's my number 10 pass rusher in the NFL. Um, I think his burst, his blend of burst, his hands, and his athleticism off the line is crazy. Um, I think a lot of the times he's one of those guys that puts a lot of pressure on there. The sacks numbers, he had a a good year in terms of sack totals, but the pressures were certainly there this year. Um, I just think in general he's a little bit underrated because he plays in Chicago. I really like what he does. He's been consistent his entire career in terms of getting to the passer. Um, he would be my number 10 guy. I'm a big, uh, I think a lot of people sleep on Ryan, uh, Robert Quinn, but he's my number 10 dude. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good pick. Uh, he comes up on my list. One thing you didn't mention about Robert Quinn is he was number two last year in sacks. I'll talk about it when we get to him for me. He had yeah. 18 and a half and 17 tackles for loss. Yeah. It's no, hard to not talk about those kind of numbers, especially yeah. when Khalil Mack was out almost. I mean, Khalil Mack I mean, missed 10 games last year. So let's get into my number 10, which I actually think should probably be higher on the list, 
I just couldn't pick anyone to move him with, and that's Trey Hendrickson. Yeah, Trey Hendrickson on the Bengals, really, really good player. And Clark knows this. When the Bengals signed Trey Hendrickson, I thought it was a terrible signing. I did I not understand it, it. I thought it was a terrible signing. I did not understand it. I felt like they overpaid for an edge rusher to create pressure, and boy, was I wrong. Trey Hendrickson had – he had – 12 games in a row with one sack, right? Yep. It ended up mm-hmm. getting up to 12. Um, he actually he had was an absolute sacks in 15 games. Yeah, but yes. Yeah, yeah, 14. But he had, I think, 11. 12 in a row where it was, it was consistent. Yes. Um. So, yeah, he ended up with 14 sacks, 14 and a half sacks on the season, 12 tackles for loss. He had, was, had one of the highest pass rush win rates, which you'll hear me talking about a lot. Uh, it's a set I really value because, again, getting home on sacks is not the whole game. Everyone loves to talk about sacks numbers, but an edge rusher is really impactful if they're able to get passers out of the pocket, if they're able to and not do their first. Mm-hmm. I definitely like that. I'd be talking uh, about pass rush win rate a lot. Yeah. So Trey Hendrickson has one of the p- highest pass rush win rates in the league. He has one of the highest pressure numbers. He was constantly in the backfield and he was constantly a menace. Now, the reason I would love to put him higher is because I think he deserves to be higher. It's just hard with the pedigree of how he was in New Orleans and how he was in Cincinnati to kind of put him above these other guys just because these other guys on my list kind of have year after year success besides for one person. Yeah, so, no, I get it. I get it. So, yeah, I have Trey Hendrickson at number 10. So let's go on to your number nine. Yeah, so my, my number nine was Trey Hendrickson. Uh, I'm a big oh, okay, Trey Hendrickson cool. fan. Um, again, as you said – I mean, he was great for the Bengals, the 12 sacks and 12 games. Um, I think one underrated part that obviously doesn't get measured very much, um, but it's not really a quantified stat. But I feel like an extremely timely and clutch pass rusher. There's a lot of Bengals games where he certainly generated the turnover. If you want to look at it, look at the first playoff game against Oakland when he strip sacked Derek Carr for uh, Larry Ogunjobi to set up a fumble recovery. Um, he also had key sacks in the Titans games and in Kansas City that kind of helped you know slow down momentum for opposing offenses. Um, yeah, there's not much more that can really be said about him as Ethan already, you know, really indicted upon him. I'm a big Trey Hendricks fan. I knew the signing was a good idea. Um, I know a lot of people were skeptical of filling him in with Carl Lawson's going to the Jets. They'd rather Carl Lawson come back, but Carl Lawson missed the season. Trey Hendrickson put up 14 and a half sacks and announced back-to-back seasons with at least 12 plus sacks for him. Um, he's still young, still has three more years in the deal in Cincinnati. It looks like it's really good for them right now. I'm certainly a big fan. He clocks in at my number nine. Yeah. Uh, so my number nine, we just switched them, is Robert Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Quinn is my number nine. Uh, it's hard to not talk about a dude who had four, yeah, 18 and a half sacks, 17 mm-hmm. tackles for loss. When you're getting home to the quarterback at that rate, you're an absolute menace. Now, the reason Robert Quinn isn't higher is just because his career's really been inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Like last year, he only had two sacks. The year before in Dallas, he had 11 and a half. The year before that, he had six. So it's kind of been a roller coaster for him. And I don't know what unlocked him last year in Chicago. I don't know what made him an absolute elite pass rusher. But whatever Mm -hmm. it did, he needs to be doing more of or he's going to quickly find himself in the top five. Because when you put up numbers like that, it's hard to be ignored. And it's hard not to talk about him. I mean, you, you said it all. He's a super good player, super consistent. Um, yeah. And, and when you have 18 and a half sacks, it's just hard not to talk about. No, it was a great season for him. Robert, uh, Robert Quinn had a great year. So, and it kind of said like, I mean, there is some people who certainly question, you know, the up and down that he's certainly been on throughout his career. But, uh, I think, 
obviously if you put together another season like that, maybe you put some of those narratives to rest a little bit on the uh, pass rushing, pass rushing side of things. So for sure. All right. So who's your number? Are we on eight? We're eight. Number eight. We're eight. Yeah. So my eight, I don't know if this will surprise you. This was a guy that you were begging for all those years ago, back in the early 2010s. Um, oh. those consistent guys around former Berkeley bear. I have cam Jordan at number eight. Um, nice. Such a good player. I, I think uh, Cam Jordan, again, 12 and a half sacks this year. Um, another very solid season in terms of getting to the quarterback. Um, he had 34 pressures, um, and he also had 13 tackles for loss. I know he's getting a little bit older, but he's still an extremely consistent player. Um, I think the win rate was down this year at about 9.1%, which was in like 80s, which isn't great in the NFL. What you have to realize, though, with the Saints is that he was getting almost all the double teams from them. With Trey Hendrickson leaving, it was really just him as a main pass rushing focus. And so he took on a lot of that. So still to get 12 and a half sacks, really remarkable. Um, I've been a big Cam Jordan fan ever since he stepped in the league. I think he's that really rare combination of a lot. We will see on the rest of this list of great athleticism with a huge frame. Um, I really like what he does with his hands off the ball. For me, yeah, he's a really complete defensive end that you've seen produce year in and year out with the Saints. Did it again last year. He's my number eight guy. Yeah, so he would have been my number 12. He didn't end up making my list just because I think he slowed down athletically a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's an incredibly good player. He's been in the league. Obviously, he was drafted in 2012. Uh, So what Clark was talking about is I'm a Chargers fan. Mm -hmm. I wanted Cameron Jordan so bad going into that draft. And he was on the board, and we picked Corey Leggett instead. And Corey Leggett was the absolute mid-defensive lineman. Like, was good for, like, one good play each year, but just wasn't that good. And Cameron Jordan has just been so consistent. In fact, going back to Trey Hendrickson, the reason I didn't, I, I thought Trey Hendrickson wouldn't work in Cincinnati because of, <laughs> because of Cam Jordan. I thought Trey Hendrickson was just playing Robin to how good how good Cameron Jordan was. So mm-hmm. I, I just assumed because he was absorbing the double teams that that's what Trey Hendrickson was excelling at, which was a bad take by me. Yes. Obviously, Hendricks was just as good on his own, but that also goes on to say how good I think Cameron Jordan is. Yeah. Um. So my number eight uh, is Khalil Mack. So Khalil Mack is my number eight going into next year. Again, everyone talks about the injuries. He was injured last year. In seven games, he had six sacks. That's hard to ignore. People like to say, oh, he's down athletically. But when you look at the numbers, I mean, we're going into, yes, he had shoulder shoulder surgery, sorry. But when he was on the field, he was still producing at a really high level. He ended up with 15 pressures. He had six sacks in seven games. That's just hard to be ignored. Mm-hmm. Now, when he comes onto the field, he might be a completely different player than he is. Who knows? But it's he's going to have Joey Bosa on the opposite side. And when teams are looking at the combination of Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack, it's going to open a lot of doors for Mack because people consider Bosa better. And mm-hmm. that's how I assume both of our lists are going to end up. Um so it, it's going to be really interesting to see how Khalil Mack comes back and how he produces for the Chargers. But for me, he's the number eight pass rusher in the league. He still shows he's got it. He still has the speed. He still has the burst. And he probably has one of the best hands of any edge rusher in the league to be able to move. Yeah. So that's why he's number eight on my list. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you how I don't have Cleo Mack on my list. Yeah, so that's probably where we switched in. You put Cameron Jordan, I put Cleo Mack. Yeah, I think I still think Cleo Mack's a really productive player. I think he doesn't get enough credit for his ability as a, a little bit of a run defender, too. I think he does a nice job there. Um, I just think what worries me with Cleo Mack a little bit is just the age and some of the injuries, and they do tend to pile up a little bit there. Um, 
but I still think he's a very good player. I think he probably will have a better season now that he's in uh, Los Angeles, almost just in San Diego. But uh, with the Chargers, um, I think he'll be really, really a good year beside Bosa. I think he'll be – he's like someone who I'd put inside, like, you know, top 20 for me would be Khalil Mack would be somewhere in there. But uh, I, I – Yeah, and I mean, I think you could even say this. Depending on how good he is next year, he can easily fall out of whatever yeah. the top 15, top 20, or climb back into yeah, top no, 10. Yeah, no, for sure. It'll, it'll be kind of a – in terms of, you know, I don't know, not a pivotal year for rankings or whatever, but, I mean – Yeah. A lot of man, He'll kind of- – honestly, out of all the edge rushers on any of our lists, he probably has the most room to either climb really high or climb really low. Yeah, Just- I would say certainly. Because a lot of these guys are kind of locked in. Yeah. Well, depending on what you say for seven and six, I'll be interested in what you have there. But I assume they're relatively the same. Eh, maybe. Um, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, let's, let's see. Who's your number seven? Yeah. So, my number seven guy actually is uh, Shaquille Barrett. I have Shaquille Barrett. Oh, man. We do have different lists. I'm going to tell you, he's not on my list. No, I I get it. Um, He was tied, I believe, with Trey Hendrickson first in the NFL in pressures. Um, No, they were tied for second. Tied for second. We had 75. Because Max Crosby is number one. Sack numbers were a little bit down. um, 10. Maybe not what you want. But again, um, I I do really like Shaquille Barrett. I know the big season was two years ago. I want to say it was like 18, some large number of sacks. Yeah, he had 18 and a half. So it's an app. Um, I really like what he is. Um, I think he's very gifted athletically. I think he does really well flying scrimmage, the burst, especially it really kind of excites me. Um, and again, I, I think as you pointed out, sacks are not the ultimate quantifier of how good he is or how good someone is in terms of getting to the quarterback, but being up there with Hendrickson at 75 pressures, that's quite a bit. I know, um, you know, the Buccaneers have a pretty solid defense, so maybe it helps out a little bit there. But for me, I have Shaquille Barrett at number seven. Yeah, a totally good pick. He's not on my list. Uh, the reason is because his win rate is a little low. He, his yeah, win rate is only enough. about 18%. Um, but he's still a super productive player. And when he came out of Denver and into Tampa, he absolutely exploded. No, yeah, it's been huge. Fantastic I mean, signing by them. Good use of money. He's a very productive edge rusher. He's another guy that probably falls within my top 15. Um, he just didn't end up making my list. Yeah, I think he's actually too, just uh, like a little tidbit. But um, I think he's the only guy out of these dudes I have in the top ten that wasn't like a first or a second round. He was a fourth round pick. So yeah, I mean he's super bendy. Yeah. So Wait. No way. You don't have Max Crosby on your list? No, Max Crosby. I thought it was like a second or a third. No, he's a fourth round pick. Oh well, there you go. Never mind. I do have okay. Max Crosby. I thought Max Crosby was a third round pick, but no, he's a fourth round pick. Yeah. Um. So, oh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Of course. I was gonna uh. Go. I yeah, like I was about to say, I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, no, I do, I do. So. Um, My number seven is, this guy could be higher. He's hard because he just exploded, and that's Michael Parsons. Um, Michael yeah, Parsons. You know, okay, there you go. There's another, all right. He's not on your list? Wow, you don't have Parsons? So this is the guy with the highest pass rush win rate out of any player in the league last year. He was getting to the passer at a 28.5% clip, which is absolutely the same number Aaron Donald gets to the quarterback at, which is just absolutely wild. The other thing about Michael Parsons is he had 13. Can I explain really quick why I don't have him on there? Yeah, for sure. I just think I consider him more as a linebacker, as an outside, than I do a pure edge rusher. Yeah, but the reason that he he was drafted as a linebacker, but he played way more snaps at edge. He basically played offline. No, I I get it, yeah. Off, so off ball linebacker in a three four. Which no, means, yeah. I mean, truthfully, I put him there because I considered him a linebacker more than an edge rusher. But totally I fine. Where would he even? Let, let's say if, oh, if if I would have thrown him in there, then he probably would have been around like this five six spot for me. 
Okay, yeah. So he's my number seven. So that's totally fair. Clark and I didn't communicate. Um, yeah, he had 13, 13 sacks in the league, 12 tackles for loss. Oh, no, 20 tackles for loss. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong number. Um, he was just absolutely super productive. He is everyone's pick to win defensive player of the year next year. Um, fantastic signing by Dallas. He'll probably continue to just show that he should be in the conversation with Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. He is so productive. He is so fast. I remember it was week two. The Chargers were playing Dallas, and Dallas had no edges left. So they had to put Micah Parsons there. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh, this is going to be so easy. It's an off-ball linebacker just standing in on the defensive line. And he just whipped them. He whipped their right tackle. He ended up having mm-hmm. three sacks in the game. He had 12 pressures or something insane like that in one game. And that was just the start of the Micah Parsons experience. Mm-hmm. He is so good. He is so fast. And he's going to be a menace for the league going forward. So he's my no, number I seven. Do. Yeah. So Clark would have had him on the list if mm-hmm. we had communicated we had better. So that's yeah, on us. Who would have fit in here probably around six, five, you know, in this area. So yeah. Yeah. So but yeah. So like who's it. your number six now? So this is maybe this will probably be somewhere we differ. I think we I know we differ on here. Uh I have number six is uh Max Crosby. Max Crosby's my number oh, okay. Six. Yeah, we do we do differ a lot then. Uh yeah, you know, uh, I think Max Crosby's great. Don't misconstrue this in any way. I'm not disrespecting Max Crosby. 101 pressures, I believe. That was 20 more than anyone else yep. who was in second place. Um, also, I just think when you really watch him on tape, what really stands out is the bend and the athleticism that you really see on there. He does a great job. Um, I think what really is interesting, too, about him is I know people are like, oh, the Raiders pass rush combo of Yannick Ndokwe and Max Crosby. It was really just Max Crosby, <laughs> Yannick Ndokwe. Yeah, totally agree. I, I don't know if people still think he was his years of the Jaguars where he was really good, but Yannick Ndokwe is not someone I think teams ever turn on film and like, we need to plan for this guy. Here, Clark, why don't we just give him the, he's overrated. I don't get no, why anyone Yannick acts Ndokwe like he's a, very heavily. I don't, he would maybe be like inside the top 30 pass rushers for me. Maybe like, I don't, if we were to look at number twos on some of these edge rushing duos, he would not even be better than most of these teams. Number twos. I, no, I mean, I think like all you really need, all you need to look at for me in my mind is that when the Bengals played the Raiders in the playoff game, we had Akeem Adeniji on him and he did not record a sack. So there you go. Well, the other thing is, so we have Yannick Ndokwe who is literally across from a dude with 101 pressures and could somehow not get to the quarterback. If you have a guy who is pressuring the quarterback at such an extreme rate, that should allow you not even just the double, but that means the quarterback is moving to your yes. side because Max oh, Crosby exactly. is going to push him that way. I mean, that's probably you should be getting sad. home. Yeah, exactly. Yannick Ndokwe, yeah, he's one of those guys that gets talked about for some reason. Still, uh, he's not in Jacksonville anymore. When that team no. was really when that went the AFC Championship run, that's not the same Yannick Ndokwe you have now. He's not even as good as he was, I think, on the Vikings or whatever. Because there's a reason he left and they let him go. Uh, no, yeah, Yannick Ndokwe, not someone. But yeah, back to Max Crosby again. Pressure is 101. The bend and the athleticism, insane on camera. Uh, and really, too, his ability to flatten through a pass rush, get low, and get by uh, yeah. you know, tackles, and also use power at the same time. Um, he's a guy, I think, uh, you know, I could have switched with five, but I like the guy at five better. So, yeah, he's my number six guy. And, again, no disrespect to Max Crosby. Great outside okay. pass rush. Yeah, I mean, Max Crosby's really good. So, basically, at this point, our – six five and four are just going to be some combination as a player 
Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, number six is Nick Bosa. So wow. really, you had him. Okay. I I have Joey oh, above Lord. Nick, so that's coming. Um, I have Nick Bosa at number six. Now, the reason I did that. So by pretty much every stretch, Nick Bosa is better than Joey. That's how I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about them as a competition. Now, Nick Bosa, his win rate is 23%. He had 15 and a half sacks, 17 tackles for loss. In every stretch of the word, he is probably a more productive player. The really only thing you can point to Joey Bosa on that he's better than Nick at is stripping the ball. Joey Bosa led the league last year in forced fumbles. Now, the reason I put Nick below Joey, I, this is just anecdotal, but I Mm -hmm. think the 49ers defensive line is much better than the Chargers. I think for a long stretch of last year in Joey Bosa's career, he has been left on an island with no one to help him, besides for Melvin Ingram. Their interior defensive line is so horrible. The Chargers couldn't generate pressure from anywhere else besides for Joey Bosa. And yet Joey Bosa still had a win rate of 21% and was able to pressure the quarterback at a top five rate. So Nick is probably the statistical better player, but I'm just using anecdotal of, I think Joey is probably going to end up having a better season next year just because of how improved that defensive line is. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I did it. Now I'm assuming... I'm assuming your number five now is Joey. My number five uh, would be Joey Bosa. Yes. Yeah. My number five. So, is Joey. so what what do you think about Joey Bosa? Okay, so what I like about Joey Bosa a lot, I believe he was seventh in win rate in the NFL. Um, I want to yeah. say he was sixth in straight dropbacks. Um, my biggest thing with Joey that I, is, um, I think of some of these guys on here, he might be the cleanest in terms of technician, like, you know, operating skill of any of them. I think his pass rush technique is probably some of the most refined. Joey well, Bosa. so I'm just going to say, let's just, let's do this. He's my number five player too. So let's just yeah. talk about him together. So yeah. technician wise, he has easily the best hand usage of any yeah, edge rusher in the league. When any time a offensive lineman is using a jab, he can easily counter it and bring out the spin if he needs to get around. He, mm-hmm. As technician-wise, he is probably the most pass-rushing moves out of any player in the league right yeah. now. What else also, are you say? No, I mean, that, you really kind of knocked it out. I mean, again, like I said, I was just going to bring I mean, the sack numbers aren't mm-hmm. huge. At least this year, what did he have? I want to say, like... He had 10 and a half. 10 and a half. So it doesn't jump off the paper to you. But again, at the same time, when you're seventh in win rate and you're sixth on straight dropbacks, you're getting to the guy a lot. Again, too, I know it's not involving, you know, the rush at, rushing part, but Joey Bosa is a really good run defender, I think, if at least I remember yeah. correctly. From no, he is. But for some reason, everyone tries to act like he sucks because the Chargers defensive line sucks. No, I'm up. like, just watch the games. He's the no, only one if, who knows how to defend the run. I think, again, if they uh, if they played maybe because the Chargers are what? Still a 3-4 scheme? Uh, no, now they're a 4-3 under Brandon okay, so now they're a 4-3. I think he gets – I think the sack numbers go up this year. He gets – I think, too, with him, like you pointed out, on the other side, uh, Nasir Adderley was probably the other big pass rusher, right? It was like him and uh, Jared well, Tillery, your outside. No, guys. so Tillery was on the interior. Uchenna was okay, the other Uchenna my bad. Uchenna Nwosu, okay, he was fine. Seattle, yeah, I think, overpaid. Uh, didn't Seattle, didn't they give him something like that? or was that, They gave uh, him 10 a year. No, they gave him DB, one year yeah. 10. Yeah, one year. Yeah, Adderley plays safety. Adderley, my bad. He plays the DB. Uh, it's okay. But anyway, I, I like Joey Bosa. I think, again, technically skill-wise, he has a lot to go to. I think he's the most refined. He's a little bit cleaner. He's just the guy I have a number five. I really do like him there. But Yeah. I mean, I, I think, think he's really good. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, he's my number five. So let's move on to number four. We hit Joey Bosa. I talked about Nick, who I'm guessing is your number four. Yeah, Nick's my number four. I mean, I I, I think um first off, no one gets more double team in the NFL, I think, right now by percentage than Nick Bosa did last year. Yeah, Nick Bosa gets the most double teams. Nick Bosa gets the most double teams. I know that 49ers our offense on the front seven, mainly speaking, their front four is very talented. Um, I just like Nick Bosa just probably off strength and athleticism, the combination probably more than Joey Bosa in that regard. I think the numbers have been there. And again, I know maybe not the the pure drop back as much, but uh, I just like Nick more for what he has in terms of pure strength and a little bit more from the athleticism side. I just like him a little bit more. It's very close. Yeah, it's very close. Um, And I don't think you can go wrong with either player. No, Both I mean, brother is really, really good. They're both they're both different. What's weird is they're both huge technicians, but mm-hmm. their speed to power combinations are completely different among the two players. Mm-hmm. Bosa relies heavier on power, whereas Nick relies so heavier more on speed. Yeah, he's more in strength. So it, it's really weird to see the two players play, even though they're identical with their hand usage. Mm-hmm. They still have play wildly different games in the edge rushing position, and more productive. He just is a menace when it comes to just watching him. It's kind of like the debate of like Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen for years, everyone always acts like he's underrated because he's like the best route runner in the league. Yeah. But the only the only thing I, I mean, know about the Bosa brothers, truthfully, is do we know where they were on January sixth? <laughs> uh Joey actually they definitely, definitely got on. in so easy because those two idiots were out there. Oh my gosh. Nick is dumber than Joey though. Nick right, is right, I think they're both yeah. stupid. No, they're both pretty stupid, but but it's okay. No, no, just it was a little joke. No one get too upset about it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so let's get into my number. We we just did your number, number four. Number my number three, four. Number three. I feel like our number three, two, and one are gonna be the exact same. Oh, uh, well, let me say oh, I didn't officially number- say my number four is Max four, Crosby. So yeah. I have Max Crosby there. Um, the reason I do is the pressures just stand out when you the lead the league by over twenty pressures in the league that's outstanding that you have over 100 pressures in a season um he's a highly productive player the one thing i love about him is his speed to side ratio is so nice for how big he is he is able to move through offensive linemen at such a nice rate um he's just a really good player it's hard for me not to put in there just because of how well he produced his win rate is really high his pressure rate is really high and a lot of it is people point to, oh, he only had 10 sacks, but he had 100 pressures. Like, that's incredible. You can't, yes. And we're going to get to it with my number three. Mm-hmm. Just because you have a lot of sacks, that doesn't mean you're the best edge rusher in the league. And we're going to talk about that in a second. So, Clark, now let's get into our the real big debate. Who is your number, it would be number two edge rusher, but who is your number three edge player uh it's gonna be the same guy as you guys i have tj watt ah man i was hoping we'd differ but yeah no no no. same for me yeah you know um again sacks yes 22 and a half did he do it with an extra game no in my mind he didn't because he missed a number and still got the 22 and a half great year for tj watt fantastic player no debating around it um i really think in some ways you are splitting hairs with garrett and tj watt and i mean again i'm taking my hand there with my number two um, but to me, uh, again, sacks are not the end-all, be-all for what determines what is the most, uh, you know, important stat when, you know, 
rushing the passer again it's rushing the passer just because you don't get there doesn't mean you cause some sort of disrupting thing to happen um for sure i think tj is incredibly talented um and he's a great player 22 and a half is obviously fantastic um i just think there are certain things that i would like about the guy ahead of him that i would go with so yeah TJ. yeah you pretty much hit on the nail of the head um, you're splitting hairs between him and Miles. Can't like that away. Great season, but uh, he's my number yeah. three. You're splitting hairs between him and Miles Garrett, but Garrett leads in pass rush win rate. He le- yeah. leads in pressures. He pretty much leads in every advanced statistic besides for sta- sacks, just getting home to the quarterback. And something that has to be talked about with TJ Watt is TJ Watt plays on the defense that's led the league in sacks like the last three years or something he's mm. just on a defense that knows how to get home which isn't a knock on him but if yeah. i were to start a team right now i'd rather have miles garrett than tj i would rather have miles garrett too i think again it goes back to again i think the pass rush win, win rate is really big i believe it's at 28 percent for miles garrett yeah he say. he has a win rate of 28 percent. that's he also has I a mean, higher double team rate than than uh with TJ Watt. Yeah. I mean, again, so. I think when I just turn, when I turn on tape from the pass rushing standpoint of what he does, I think I find Miles Garrett just slightly more impressive. And I know I the sack numbers for TJ Watt, and that's not me saying TJ Watt isn't impressive, but I'm not hating on TJ Watt, the fantastic year that he had. I just would prefer, I would just rather have Miles Garrett in my mind. For sure. I, I just really think need to, you really need to see the dominance that he had. I know it was against the Bears. What was it? That six sack game for him? I yes. Mean, he's a, he's a dog, dude. I would, I would really like to. Have. Miles Garrett to me is like yes, from a pure outside rushing standpoint, percentage. I would, I know TJ had the twenty-two and a half. I'd rather have Miles Garrett for sure. But let's talk about the player we'd had, we'd much rather have over both of them. Yes, which is each of our number ones, and we know should honestly, yeah, he's an interior player, but by every advanced there. statistic, I mean he is a better edge or he is a better pass rusher than any of these dudes, and that's Aaron yeah. Donald. Yeah, Aaron Donald. It's pretty simple. I mean, I'll let you talk about most of it, but I think if you really need any case study of how dominant Aaron Donald was, uh, the reason the Cincinnati Bengals lost the Super Bowl is because Aaron Donald existed. That's really the truth of the matter. The offensive line was terrible for the Bengals, but really, even if you have an average one, I don't know how much it holds up. Aaron Donald disrupted that game in every single way for them. He made my day terrible. Hats off to him. Um, Great player. Uh, Good for the Rams to get him back. But again, in just about every sort of category you look at, whether it be win rate, whether it be disruption, just what he does for the Rams defense in total, there's not a more valuable pass rusher in the NFL than Aaron Donald. Um, you know, when you watch him literally almost pick up and throw back 340-pound offensive linemen to the quarterback on a regular basis, it really kind of makes you stop and wonder if there's anyone better. And the answer to that question is just no. So Aaron Donald for me is number one. I'll let you get more into the stats end, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Donald is just absolutely insane. So yeah. he is the highest double team rate of any player in the entire league mm-hmm. at 0.6%, which means 60% of the time he is getting double teamed, As either by the center of the guard, guard and tackle, whatever combination that be. And he still has the second highest win rate out of any player in the entire league. He has a 28% win rate. The only person that's higher was Michael Parsons last year. Mm-hmm. And he is able to get home. He ended up having 12 and a half sacks, which from the interior is absolutely insanity. Yes, it's crazy. Even for a player, and this guy is a player who had an over 20 sack season, in mm-hmm. which he probably should have won MVP. This yeah. is a player who you can honestly make the argument for at from the defense. It might end up in the best 
defensive player of all time conversation. No, he certainly entered in the realm of that conversation just off pure dominance. You know, it's it's it would be up there. He's entering the category of you know like Lawrence Taylor and guys like that. So, and honestly, I mean, people talked about JJ Watt is like, oh my gosh, he could win MVP. But I would argue Aaron Donald's ascension is higher than J.J. Watts was back in those mid-2010s. Aaron Donald has just taken over the league, and he is honestly, and I don't think this is a hot take at all, he is the best non-quarterback in the league. He is an absolute game-changer. He wrecks everyone. He comes from an interior position, which people call not valuable, but Mm -hmm. he is the most valuable defender in the league. You can put him on the edge. You can put him in the middle, and he'll just run through centers. He'll run through guards, and it doesn't matter if they're double teaming him because he will get home. He won the Super Bowl for the Rams. Yeah, he won the Super Bowl for the Rams. That's all you need to know. Yeah, exactly. Because again, look at the last play. If Aaron Donald does not get there, Jamar Chase walks in for a touchdown, forty yards on the field. Not even go back one play before that. Yeah, where it's a third and one, Mm -hmm. and Aaron Donald just straight up uses his strength to pull down a running back running forward with his yeah. forearm. Yeah, exactly. So he did. And Aaron Donald, again, he's incredible. He's everything. And if you are a Los Angeles Rams fan, thank God they got that deal done and he did not walk away. And really for NFL fans just in general, that he didn't retire early. And it would be some sort of tragedy yeah. for a guy of this talent who has still great years ahead of him didn't just walk away. Although if he would have, good for him because he knows when the time's done and he's content with things the way it's gone. But yeah. I'm obviously as a fan excited to see him back on the field. Should be a lot of fun for him, but he's a great, easily the best pass rusher in the NFL. No, he's he's such a good player, and he's changed the way that the NFL thinks about the interior defensive line. Because before, it was just you get a big run stuffer in there to stop the run, and you have your mm-hmm. edge come off. Exactly. But Aaron Donald has completely revolutionized of, wow, we can get pass rushing production from the middle and mm-hmm. like better than That's edge possible. rushers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, I mean, incredible player. He's opened the door. Um, hats off to Aaron Donald. Congratulations to Rams fan. That yeah, you get to watch greatness. Yeah, seriously. All right, so let's move into our last story, wrap up our show, mm-hmm. uh, which is MLB All Star Game. So the MLB mm-hmm. All Star Game just announced their rosters. So we are at, we are getting close to the midpoint of the MLB season. Yeah, so all you until, yep. So we're almost there. So we're gonna talk about first. They haven't announced starters yet. So Clark and I are each going to give a starter that we think should be starting yeah, on these starting teams pitcher. in the NL. We'll announce the starting. Yeah, starting pitcher. Starter. You're right. Yeah. Starting lineup. So we're going to be talking about a starting pitcher. So Clark, who do you think should be starting in the NL? Yeah, so I heard some uh, Bozo Eric Carrot. Let's make sure I get that right so I know I'm calling him Bozo. Said Tony Gonzalez should be starting the All-Star game. Uh, No. If you need to see who should be starting the All-Star game on the mound for the National League, it should be Sandy Alcantara. Uh, He went into Queens today against the Mets. Threw an absolute gem yet again. He leads the inning, league in innings pitched, ERA, strikeout machine. Dude can pump up there 100 miles an hour. He's must-see TV. He plays for the Marlins, which is unfortunate. But Sandy Alcantara should absolutely be the starter for the National League. He should be on that bump. There's no one who has a season who's deserved the ball more. And, again, great season for him, and he should be the guy on the hill. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Gonsolin, as much as you called him a bozo, he does have an argument because no, he does have a lower No, I didn't say Gonsolin a bozo. I think Eric Karros. He's an argument. Eric Karros is a bozo. Oh. Tony Gonsolin's good. Yeah, so Gonsolin. I mean, he has the lowest whip in the league, lowest ERA, but at the end of the day, Gonsolin has pitched almost three less starts than Alcantara. Mm -hmm. So I think you got to give him the bump, but knowing that it's in LA and that. Is Dave Roberts managing it, or is it going to be. I don't know. Brad Snitzker for the. I'm not sure. Who is in the. 
It was the Braves, so it'd probably be the Braves. It'd probably be the Braves, yes. And the Braves have, or in the National League East, he sees Sandy Alcantara, but maybe he realizes it's the moment he starts stupid. Well, it, it's I'm just saying it's probably going to be Gonsolin because it's in L.A. Yeah, they're playing bro. in front of the – they're playing in L.A. Dodger Stadium. They get to uh, see we'll him see. every other – yeah, we'll see. So who do you have as the uh, – actually, I'll go with my American League one. This should be rather go ahead. simple. This shouldn't be very hard at all. Um, he's the most entertaining baseball player in my mind, truthfully. Um, Shohei Otani should be starting on the hill for the American League in the All-Star game. Um, and not only that, but after he gets done, he should go be allowed to DH as well, too. This guy should be on the field in the All-Star game as much as he possibly can. He's easily probably the most watched eye. Again, it sucks that the Angels stink, and they just got swept out of Baltimore by the Orioles, who are playing surprisingly good ball. Only one game under 9-500 for the Orioles. They but- did. People are excited about him. Yeah, uh, but again, Otani is, I mean, he's had a great year on the mound yet again. He's putting up Cy Young numbers in the American League side of things. Um, I think from, again, if you really just want it from an entertainment standpoint, which is which the All-Star game is, it's supposed to promote your stars, be out there, Shohei Otani has to be on the mound. He's the greatest uh, show out on dirt right now. He's got to be the starter. All right. Uh, So I was thinking about Otani. I didn't end up going with him just because I wanted to do something different. He started the game last year. Uh, I picked Justin Verlander. Verlander's good. Um, Yeah. Justin Verlander has been really, really productive, has an ERA below two again. Mm-hmm. Um, he Coming off of Tommy a Tommy John surgery, he's just come out and has shown that he's just as productive as a player as he was before. Mm-hmm. This would be more of a legacy pick that you want to give crowns to mm-hmm. a player who's been in the league for a long time, who continues greatness. I actually yeah. thought about for the NL putting Kershaw as the starter as well for the same kind of idea. Mm-hmm. but Verlander has even more of a resume right now. Yeah. Playing really good baseball might win another Cy Young, but totally understand. Well too. Yeah. Yeah. But I totally understand the argument of Shohei Otani. Um, he is the, the next star of the league. I don't think anyone should say that. And it's Stephen A. Smith who said that he can't be the star of the league because he's Japanese. Yeah. Um, idiot. Hide your xenophobia somewhere else. Yes. That is completely stupid. That is yeah. really dumb. And even more so, um, if we want to use your same argument, Shohei Donnie plays in Los Angeles, technically. Yeah, time, but that's true. L.A. So you could have your L.A. versus L.A. on the bump if you really wanted that. So, But I get the Berliner yeah. argument. He's been great. He's probably a guy who I'd have second probably second yeah. place in the AL Cy Young. I know the guy we didn't bring up, at least in my mind, Shane McClanahan, the starter for the Rays, has been really good. But I think yeah. um, he'll be on the roster as a reserve. Great year for him. But I would still put Otani and probably Verlander over him would have starting. So. Cool. So let's go yeah. over let's go over some snubs. Some snubs. So yes. who do you have snubbed off of the NL team? Yeah, I'll let you go first because you probably have a guy that we both agree on. I'm sure. Well, actually, I'll just go ahead uh, because we have him on the same list here. The number one guy in my mind, Ty France. Uh, I can't really yeah. believe really Ty France didn't make it. Um, I believe among first basemen, he's the highest OPS. He's a great defender. He's been huge with the Seattle Mariners. Um, again, I love Ty France, San Diego State guy. I can't believe the Padres ended up trading him over there. I can't believe that they didn't see the kind of production they were going to get out of him because it was considering it was already, uh, you know, it was budding in 2020. You could see it coming. Um, and we traded him for Austin Nola. Again, Ty France, excellent defender, excellent offensive player. He's been huge for the Seattle Mariners. You could make an argument, probably their best player. I guess you could make another one be uh, J Rod and Julio Rodriguez. But uh, for me, Ty France definitely the number one snub. I'm sure you have him on there too. Yeah, I mean, he's my number one too. I mean, uh, the dude has an OPS of 850. That's yeah. crazy good. Um, he's really productive. Should have been the starter, honestly. He probably should not have even been the starter. For him not even to be on the team is an absolute it's slap in the crazy. face. I'm sure he'll um, be added on when someone drops that. It's just bad. It's bad for the yeah, league. 
Um, I get stupid. that he plays in Seattle, but he should be Seattle's on the team. Good. They're 43. I mean, they're 45 and 42. They're having a good year right now, I want to say. So yeah, I mean, they're well. good, but they're, they're not the, the most uptick. popular team in the league. No, they're in Seattle. It's the West Coast, Northwest. Not the most popular team. You're right. Yes, I agree. So uh, another snub I have is Freddie Freeman. Uh, Freddie Freeman did not make the all-star team. Uh, probably deserves to. He's been really good for the Dodgers. Probably easily their best player. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see like Trey Turner make the team is kind of disappointing. Trey be starting. Yeah, I mean, Freddie Freeman's been better this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddie Freeman right now is hitting at 304. He's hit 11 home runs, 54 RBIs. Every stat lines up that he should at least be on the team, if not starting at first base. But I get it, I guess. I don't know why he's not on the team. But. I'm sure he's one of those guys. I mean, again, there are people who drop out because of injury. These things happen. Um, he's a guy who could certainly be added on there. And again, uh, maybe, maybe you know, the people of LA didn't like him enough after he said he wanted to go. Not really, Seb indicated <laughs> he wanted the whole Atlanta thing. And he, you know, because the LA tabloids, again, he got too emotional when they had too emotional. Form. You know, the place where he started as a 20 year old kid and had his whole life and family there. Yeah, too emotional for that. You can't do that. No, you love LA it's, now. Yeah, you have to love. You have to worship everything. You have to love the forty-five minute traffic to go five miles. No. All right. Ed, do you have any other snubs? Yeah, I have two more. I, I have two All more right. that I thought. Uh, yeah, from the American League side of the mound, I can't believe Dylan Cease didn't make it from the Chicago White Sox. I know the White Sox have put a big dump in their pants, the roost at the mound, and kind of being these expected World Series contenders doing nothing. But Dylan Cease owns a two point four five ERA, a really impressive and league leading thirteen Ks per nine. I'm at a two point one eight point FIP. I think the case for Ryan at 13, he's definitely one of those guys. They get one inning, maybe a couple batters for, you know, an all-star game. I want to see Cease is absolutely disgusting. 12 to six, the slider, the 99 mile hour fastball that he runs up there on guys. Cease is certainly someone I really miss. And I think should be in there. Um, another name I, I mentioned uh, that I'll just briefly go on before the last guy, uh, Dylan Williams, relief pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. I think he's one of the best relief pitchers in baseball with that, you know, slider, you know, just combination of change up. Um, I think it's like a slur or a screwball. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, yeah. And then to go along with the fastball, really electric guy out of the pen, someone I think you really want to see. I know Josh Hader's in there already, but I think Dylan Williams is someone who's uh, definitely deserved it. Um, but the guy who I'm really surprised, and I really wish they would go to, and I know why he didn't make it because he's a Cincinnati Red, but the NL outfield is certainly lacking, and I cannot believe Brandon Drury was not put on there. For those of you who don't pay attention to Cincinnati Reds, and I guarantee you there's not a lot of you out there, and I don't really do it myself. Yeah. But I do know good players when I'm seeing him have a good year. And Brandon Drury this year has been really good. Uh, 1.7 war. He has an 878 OPS. That's pretty dang good. He's a utility guy. He can kind of move around. And he has a 132 OPS plus. I get it. He plays in Great American Ballpark. It's a bang box. That's just the way it works. But he cannot yeah. not be hit. Uh, Brandon Drury is a guy I think certainly, I hope, finds a way on this team. I think he's one of those cool stories, too, because he's bounced around. He's been in Atlanta. He's been in – sorry – He's been in, like, New York. He's been in uh, Arizona. He's been in Miami. He's been all over the place. And now he's finding a nice little niche for himself here in Cincinnati, having a great year. I think he's a guy who deserves to be in the All-Star game this year, certainly. Yeah, totally understand. Uh, I got one last, and that's Austin Riley. Yeah, um, Riley. Out yeah, in Atlanta. Sure. He has an OPS above 900. Um, mm-hmm. Just for being great able to year. slug and get on base that much, you should be in the All-Star game. Uh, yeah. You're a highly productive player. He's been productive both last year and this year. Mm-hmm. Far... He's not really striking out all that much. He is mm-hmm. getting on base. He's slugging. Uh, he has 22 home runs already. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, he's he's my last player. 
I would agree. Uh, the only thing I will say among the starters, and this is what I'll keep it to, is uh, I don't think that Trey Turner should be the starting shortstop. I get it. I think Dansby Swanson has had a better year, though, for Atlanta. I would start him at shortstop. Yeah. No, but, yeah, I get that. That's, that's the snubs. I like our snubs there. That was a number that we could have gone over more, too, at least in my mind. But I, I just thought those ones that popped off the page more than anything else. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we can all agree that the Pro Bowl is way better than the MLB All-Star Game. So, I hope you're kidding. I am kidding. Pro Bowl's the worst. Pro Bowl's terrible. No one cares about it anymore. Now people go to Vegas and they just get arrested. Yeah, Alvin Kamara, you. Hey, he's going to miss six games. Probably miss a little bit more, but that's okay. Hey, it's okay. Uh, So this has been our show. Thank you for listening. This has been From the Backseat. Today has been our quick hit episode with, of course, our top 10 list on edge rushers. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to leave us a review. Remember, any review that gets left, we'll get a shout-out at the beginning of the show. Make sure to leave five stars and something nice about us. Uh, make sure to follow it, whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, whatever you're listening on. Thank you for listening. Uh, make sure to follow us on TikTok. Make sure to like, comment. Uh, how the algorithm works is the if you follow us, you'll get our videos earlier, and then you test out whether they should go viral. So thank you to anyone who does that for us. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. We're starting to post stuff there. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. I'm starting to put our TikTok clips up there. If you don't have a TikTok, you can see them as YouTube shorts. You can also see them on Instagram. I just post the most popular ones. Uh, so you get less of the fat, um, clips that don't do as well or aren't as interesting. You get our big hitters. Uh, so make sure to follow us on all those things. So thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it guys.